Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of A Little Something. Yay? <laughs> Y'all, I am elated and joyful today because I am sitting down with none other than the one, the only, the blonde, the beautiful, the Miss Laura Wilfon. Hello. Thank you for having me. My oh face my is gosh, splitting. So I'm so welcome. excited to join you. <laughs> hey, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm yes, such absolutely. a fan. Yeah, well, yes, you're probably my biggest fan, honestly. I am. I think I am. <laughs> How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? I am excellent. I am excellent. Recording via my closet. Yes, I am closeted just for you. <gasps> Come out of that closet, baby. <laughs> just so cozy in here. And no children. <laughs> Oh, well, that is, yes, I'm sure that is <laughs> one of the major um, pluses to staying in the closet. Um, so you are a massive fan of this podcast as, um, I mean, I do say that about all of my guests, but you actually are a huge mega I really am. Guest. When I get that alert that you have dropped a new episode, I drop everything I'm doing and I listen. Actually, I carefully, yeah. <laughs> you drop everything you're doing, even your small children? Small children. I put them carefully on the ground, but everything else drop. Great. Splat. That's what we love to hear. Uh, hear out a little something gay. Um, but being a huge fan, you know that I like to ask my guests uh, at the top of every episode, how do you identify? She, her, ally, hetero. So concise. I love it. <laughs> it's like you've you done this before. Journalist. I know, I know. Have we, Laura? This is a a gay podcast. Um, you might be surprised oh. to know. What is your connection to the queer community? I'm an ally. I have the majority of my friends have always been gay. I don't know if that's just growing up as a theater kid and in music. And um, I'll get to him later. But my one of my best friends in middle school came out in middle school. So I just thought that everyone came out in like sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And then you later realize that that's not, not the case. Some people just never come out. Some people never come out. That's it. That was what was most shocking to me when I have friends around who are in their thirties like me and they're like, Oh yeah, I was dating women quote unquote in college. I'm like, you were, doesn't everyone come out in like elementary and middle school? Like it was just shocking to me that so many people lived with that kind of secret. It is. It, it's shocking when you go to, back when we could go to gay bars but when you would go to the gay bars and you'd see these like 50 year old men and they're like i came out last year and it's like oh we are blessed to live in these times at least i can't imagine living we, we sure are like that i count my blessings every day <laughs> <laughs> laura you are all your gay blessings <laughs> i count all my gay blessings. all my blessings are gay um you are a and i feel confident saying this a uh social media mogul you hustle on the social media platforms you uh are an influencer you've got thousands of subscribers uh the world is dying to know what's your secret <laughs> uh i had an unfair advantage i believe and mogul is a very strong word word but i'll take it and i'll try to live it up to it um i was a news anchor in tulsa oklahoma i think you've heard of it I am familiar with it, yes. Mm -hmm. 
So that started me off um, at a good jumping off point. So got a lot of followers in that way. And I still do freelance and TV news here in Atlanta, but I've just kind of pivoted. Honestly, I just like free stuff and I enjoy creating content. So it worked out really well for me. Fabulous. Do you find it uh, difficult to create content and um, keep up with all of your different platforms or does it just kind of happen organically? Um, this is, it's a hobby, not a livelihood. So mm. if it's difficult, I just say no. The power of no is a beautiful thing. Sometimes oh, yes. you look at what's going on in your life and you're like, no, that'll stress me out more than it'll bring me joy. And if you are in a financial place where you can do that, uh, that's how it works out. I mean, anything with children is difficult. <laughs> I can imagine. Getting, yes, getting them to pose and smile and be adorable. But I think that's um, part of my niche or shtick is that my children aren't perfect. My house is not perfect. We are in survival mode. I'm on my third cup of coffee as we speak. So yeah, nothing's perfect over here. We're just living life. We're all just doing the best we can. Doing the best we can. Yes. Well, while we're on the subject, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you, Miss Laura? Ooh, I'm a Gemini. <laughs> we'll talk about you. It's your favorite topic. Oh, oh. Oh, it's so weird because I, as a journalist, it's like you ask all the questions. It's like, oh, you want to know something about me? Yes, everything. I'm a mother of two beautiful girls. They're almost three and five. River's the oldest. Ramsey's the youngest. Went backwards there and forwards. I was a news anchor in Tulsa and I freelanced since my girls were born. Yeah, I'm an insurance agent and I am an influencer. I play on social media and sometimes I make cookies. You make great cookies. I don't know. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. How do I, how, how do I commission some? <laughs> Just let me know, boo. I'll send you some. Okay. I'll make you a little something gay cookies and make rainbows. <gasps> I'm trying. <laughs> I'll send you some. I'm trying to work smarter, not harder. So I'm trying to figure out areas of my life where I just like to be home a lot with my kids. So I feel like I'm, I'm like Pete and my husband. I love him a lot too. So I'm like piecing together what I can to stay like mentally stimulated and mm -hmm. like get those artistic outlets, but not be too stressed out all the time. And mm -hmm. maybe it'll make, make a little extra money so that wine budget increases. You, you got to prioritize that wine budget. I feel you on that one. It's important. It's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> I mean, depending on how much you drink, I suppose. It's true. The way I do it, it's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> there you go. You're working smarter, not harder on that one. That's for sure. So you have talked about your, your beautiful family, your two small girls. Do you feel a certain pressure to raise strong, independent young women in these I feel, crazy COVID times? I feel a lot of pressure not to raise a-holes mm. and release them on the world. I feel mm. like that is the driving force in my life. I don't want to raise mean girls. I don't want to raise jerks. And then like protecting their hearts and their wild spirits as much as possible while getting them to conform a little bit to society so we can survive. It's a, it's a lot being a parent, something I didn't, it, you know, being a parent's going to be hard, but I think when I got pregnant with River, it just like really like dawned on me like, oh, now I've got to raise her to know she be confident and brave and wonderful, but not like get in trouble in class all the time for, for, you know, speaking on a turn and getting up and throwing stuff. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, raising kids is a lot of pressure. <laughs> mm-hmm. And some days you're just trying to survive. So you're not even focusing on the other stuff. It's like, all right, let's make it through this day without anyone getting hurt. <laughs> what do you think, what was the biggest hurdle of motherhood for you? Uh, life changes 100%. And it's not a bad thing. But I think a lot of mothers, when they're pregnant, focus on like, how am I going to keep me? And your, your version of me is just so different once that baby comes earth side. So I think zero to one is the hardest because your life completely, you don't live for yourself anymore. Your heart is now outside of your body and you are living this life to make their life better. I don't know, my focus just completely changed in life. I do miss drag bars though. And I know I can change that. Like I can go to a drag bar still, but. <laughs> that is You're part of, of drag, my life. Huh? huh? I love me some drag. Who doesn't? right not anyone i want to be friends with exactly you you're now you don't watch drag race correct i don't and i meant to study up so we could chat about it but i have been to many a drag show as a straight woman yeah are there is there a lot of good drag in georgia where you live i bet there is but as a woman in the burbs with two children, I don't get invited very often for some reason. So, you just rock up. Uh, but I lived across the street from Renegade in Tulsa for a little while. That was my absolute favorite bar, it and it closed. Smells like 1960s cigarettes. Yes, I heard that. Um, it was so sad. It was so sad. Honestly, I went to it less living across the street from it. I thought I would go all the time. <laughs> well, that's the novelty <laughs> wore off. You're like, oh, that old place is just across the street. When your alarm goes off at 3 a.m., some things just don't make it into your day. Oh, that's right. Okay, so let, we'll talk, let's talk a little bit about how you and I know each other. Yes. My fiancé, soon to be my husband, yes, I know, I'm, I'm doing it for all the little gay boys out there. He used to be a journalist, and he was on the, the day shift, morning shift. Morning shift. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> How soon you forget? Well, yes, we're both trying to forget about that time. Um, but suffice it to say, he would get up at uh, like 2.45 in the morning and start to get ready for work. And being a journalist, you were sort of on the same schedule. Is that correct? We're on the same schedule, different stations. I worked at the ABC affiliate. He was at the Fox affiliate. So Twitter, we were both very... Twitter. And I believe we said some snarky tweets. We need to be friends. So I was like, let's go to McNelly's and have queso and sweet potato. And it began our friendship. Queso and sweet potato fries. That sounds amazing. A weird combination, but it does sound really good. So good. And you know, we need to go back there the next time you're in town. Yes, let's do it. We were 20 something. So it wasn't a big deal. Nowadays, like I could see them like layering onto my thighs as I ate them, I'm sure. But I would do it for you guys. Well, that's just more of you to love, baby. (laughs) More to love. Yes. So we started our friendship, best friendship over queso and sweet potato fries. And then he brought you into my life, a little ray of sunshine. I heard about you a long time before I was allowed to meet you. And I wasn't allowed to friend you on Facebook because Preston knows how creepy I am. So he didn't want to unleash me on you. I don't know if that's how you felt about meeting me, but. <laughs> no, I was very excited to meet you. I remember when you friend requested me, I was, I was very happy you crept on my Facebook page. Preston was like, I can't believe you did that. Well, he's just going to have to get over that. Yes. 
He couldn't hide me forever. No, he could not keep you from me for long. No, but I knew you were special because he never, he was not very into telling me about anyone he was interested in. So when he let me know that he was flying, I think, was it Aruba that he stayed in a hotel? No, it was Barcelona when he came to visit. Yes. So he told me he was going and then he had to come clean about you two. Well, that was fairly early on in our relationship. I mean, Barcelona was technically our first official date, so I could understand why he was hesitant. Well, it all worked out, didn't it? It sure did. (laughs) Husbands. Husbands to be. Yes, we are affianced, and my engagement ring should be back from Tiffany's any day now, and it should be the right size. (laughs) I can't wait to see it in person. Ah, so you guys will have to come and visit, or maybe we should come and see you. That might be easier. I would love that. Lights are like really expensive to Tulsa right now from Atlanta for some reason. Hmm. I wonder why. That's that is odd. You have spoken about your two Zoras. You have two lovely little Zoras. How do you, as a parent, navigate telling them difficult things? I like to approach I hate keeping up with lies. It's exhausting. And there's some things like I mean, children aren't listening if you are, co- if they are cover their ears, like Santa, there are some things that are like, okay, does this bring more joy than harm? Santa's probably one of them. And you've got to speak to children in the language that they're in at the time and their emotional capacity, which I think is different for every child and their comprehension levels. But with my girls, I just go with as much honesty as possible. I don't want to have to revisit anything. And my daughter, my oldest river, she is very quick to remind me like, well, last time you said blank. So from the beginning, I just lay it all out in whatever terms they can comprehend. Like meeting you and Preston for the first time. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Could you actually talk a little bit more about that? Because that's a very sweet story. Yes. So we met at Chalks Cherry Street Coffee House in Tulsa. And we were visiting from Atlanta. Uh, we were introducing you to our daughters, and I believe River asked uh, something. I said, oh, this is Uncle Presty's boyfriend, Michael, and she said, boyfriend? I'm like, yes, they love each other, just like mommy and daddy love each other. Michael and Presty love each other, and she said, okay, and I'm pretty sure she jumped in your lap and ate your cookie, stole your cookie. <laughs> um, hey, it was her cookie to have. <laughs> I remember when River asked the question, Yours and Preston's faces were like, uh, like you weren't sure how to explain it. And I just jumped in. I was like, they love each other just like mommy and daddy. And we went on our way. And then later Preston texted me and he said, um, it meant a lot to us the way that you explained to us, to your girls. And for me, it went, and not to, I've always had wonderful gay influences in my life. And so it wasn't a second guess on Justin. And I had never talked about how we were going to discuss same-sex relationships at all with our daughters I just like jumped in and this is this is life and these are two people we love and they love each other and she didn't skip a beat she kept going and so I didn't even think about how we would talk about it or that it and of course it's significant but that it was even like that big of a deal it's like oh yes well they love each other that's how I'm going to explain it of course yeah and I remember I, I remember seeing that and I remember thinking because at the time I was sort of having my own struggles with um, my brother and them kind of introducing my queerness to my niece, who was 
older than your than your kid. She's she's nine. So I mean, she's really kind of starting to understand a little more. But at the time, I remember I was kind of fighting with my brother about it. And um, to see someone very confidently and with with no hesitation just say, this is how it is. They love each other. And to see your child just say, okay. And it wasn't even, it wasn't a big issue. It, it was so like a non thing that she didn't even care. Like you said, she just kind of hopped up in my lap and wanted some cookie. So I wish more people could kind of experience that and see that there is a way to, and I know that, you know, everybody's parenting is different and, you know, I, I obviously don't have children, so I don't know what it is like to be a parent. I, I just wish that people could see that there are ways to slowly introduce this to your kids in a way that is maybe a little more innocent, easier to manage, easier for kids to kind of digest, maybe a little less complicated. I don't think it's like two people loving each other for me isn't complicated. Everyone's got to approach parenting's hard. However you're parenting, it's got to be the right way for you. And honestly, children are so adaptable. You can go back and you can fix things for me. I just want to hit any topic that comes up head on. This is how it is. This is what it is. And if my opinion changes, I am happy to eat grow and go back and, and change that and talk to my children about it. And I am not queer. So I don't, I'm probably going to say things wrong. I'm probably going to explain some things wrong, but I think as long as you don't live in a bubble and you expand, things aren't going to come up if you're not putting yourself in situations, whether that's racial or sexual or what identity um, might be. If you live in a little white world with a white picket fence, then of course these things aren't going to come up and it doesn't matter how many books you read if they're not seeing it firsthand, two men loving each other in a healthy, respectful way, then they're not going to understand how that goes. So I think just continuing to put yourself, I don't and ever parenting so hard. So however you're doing it, it's not wrong. You do you. But for us, we are going to continue to have many different friends who are living different lifestyles than us, um, that are safe for us and our family. And we're going to explain it to our children and that we love everyone. Cause eventually if you're not exposing them to different ways of life, that's really going to be harmful in the future and terrifying for them because they won't understand. And they might say something incorrectly to the wrong person. And you just want to prepare your kids for as much of life as possible. And like I said, at the beginning, I want to expose my children to a lot. I want to raise them to not be jerks. And I, I feel like that that's my that's what I'm trying to do with my children. And they can't help but be jerks if they don't know any better than exactly what our family looks like. All families look different is what we have tried to tell them from the beginning. Aside from Preston and I, have the girls been exposed to any other queer people? Oh, yes. Lots. And we um, have a couple of two mommy families in our neighborhood. And so that's come up, of course. And in pre, even in preschool, I think they talk about family units and it's a private pre, it's like a, a religious preschool, but I think they've even discussed that not all families are mommy and daddy. Sometimes it's just mommy. Sometimes it's two mommies. Sometimes it's two daddies. Sometimes it's a grandparent. Um, I just don't, I don't want my children to be victims of bullying be victims of mean girls or become the bully or the mean girl. So I think arming them with as much education as possible and uh, reminding them to be kind and pointing out situations where they're not being kind and talking through that are very important in our parenting styles. I love that. That is very refreshing. 
And that is not, well, maybe it's sort of the atmosphere that I am in right now, but that is not something that I see very often in parents. Um, I think a lot of times parents will lie by omission because maybe they're, uh, they're afraid of maybe being vulnerable to these sensitive subjects or, or they're worried about being uncomfortable or perhaps that they're not uh, equipped to answer these questions. So like I said, I, I really thank you for that. Of course. And I love, I really did like the episode with you and your brother and the open communication that y'all had. And I could, I mean, you felt a little uncomfortable for both of you guys, but I think as long as people are willing, it's okay to have different opinions, whether it's political, sexual, raising your family, which everyone's going to have a different opinion about that. Absolutely. Um, as long as you're willing to have conversate respectful and open conversations with one another, that can only make the world better for all of us. Part of allyship, I do think is making sure that people in your sphere are comfortable and confident with not only their sexuality, but the sexuality of people around them as well. What advice would you give to parents that are sort of having an issue with maybe being afraid of exposing their kids to this or um, worried that it's too soon? What kind of advice would you give? I know we talked about this before and I'm glad I get to talk about it again. Your kids are going to be exposed to things whether you talk to them about it or not. So if you want any control over that narrative or um, be seen, I want to, I want my children to continue to see me as a sounding board, not an expert, but like someone they can talk things through with. So if I am bringing topics up to them and exposing them to things to talk about, then I want to, I want to control the narrative and talk to them about new things with love and, and kindness and understanding. So for me, if you, you're always answering the questions that they have in a thoughtful way, they'll continue to ask you questions. Cause at some point my children are not going to talk to me and think that I'm not, I don't know anything. It's, I can always already see some glimpses of that. And that's terrifying. So as long as when they ask you questions, you're answering in a loving and respectful way and an exploratory way, I think that's the best way to handle any uncomfortable quote unquote situation or question. As a journalist, do you find that you are better equipped to deliver sensitive subjects to your children? You know, that is a very good question, Michael. I do believe that being a journalist has exposed me to a lot of uncomfortable situations where honesty was the best policy. So it has equipped me for difficult questions and conversations. And it's taught me a lot about taking a deep breath, knowing that once you say something, it is out in the world forever, especially with children where they remember everything. So yes, I think that being a journalist has actually prepared me for a lot of things in life and parenting was an unexpected bonus. What, pray tell, inspired you to join the fast-paced world of TV journalism? I started, I was a total, this is one of the reasons I love you, because I wanted to be a performer. I just wanted, I think I just wanted to be famous. I wanted to be on stage and I wanted to sing and I wanted to act and I wanted just to be out there. And uh, so I did all the musical theater in high school. I got into Boston Conservatory of Music for college. You did? I did. That's impressive. Why, thank you. Um, I'm not a triple threat. Dancing is like, 
I'm not good enough at it. I could sing and dance enough. And I heard you say the other day, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I'm like, oh yeah, my range went from to, I can maybe, yeah, it's not, I got to flex that muscle a little bit more. Um, so I went to, I actually, I toured OCU, but their rules were more strict at home. And I was like, I just can't. Um, and then I went to the University of Oklahoma as a theater major at first, thinking I would um, transition because they, they really want you to be a better dancer than I was. And I was like, oh, I'll get into the musical theater department. And then after all, I don't want to be starving on the streets of New York, which is like how much the way that they were teaching us. I was like, man, that sounds uncomfortable. But it was like, oh, there's a student newscast you should audition for. And I did. And I got on OU Nightly um, as a one minute cut in person. And eventually I was an anchor and then I had a, a segment called, uh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank, but it was uh, like events happening around OU and it was really fun. Sooner Seen, that's what it was called. Sooner Seen, we love an alliteration. Yes, and I got a local boutique in, um, in Norman to sponsor it. So I had like clothes that they rented out to me every week to wear on the segment talked about like what the theater department was performing, different events on campus. It was really fun. So you've been out here getting these sponsorships since college. It has been. I love free stuff. So (laughs) it's so funny how like things in my life have set me up for uh, some of this influencing stuff. And I am like small potatoes. There are people who are huge out there. I'm trying to do it as organically as possible. But yeah, I, even when I was in Tulsa, we had a show, it's still going on, I believe, Good Day Tulsa. And I would do these three minute segments talking to different groups. And sometimes I get my friends on who own boutiques there in Tulsa. And so it was just something that um, influencing is just, I just like connecting people and I like connecting people with good deals or good products. And, and so finding a platform to do that, that just happens to be visual, which goes into my broadcast journalism background. It just, it's worked out. It's been fun. Hey, listen, I respect the hustle. Thanks, Bill. Same. I'd love uh, to help you hustle. We're going to get you some sponsorship. Listen, I am here for that. I want to put t-shirts out, actually. You should. And there are ways to do it where somebody is doing, I mean, the hard work, you know, like the manufacturing and stuff, and you're just giving the ideas. We'll find you a way to do that. Wait, what yeah. did you say earlier? Oh, every shade makes a rainbow. <laughs> yes, that's right. Every shade makes a rainbow. And it's a great day to have a great day. I need that shirt. Same. And that particular pearl of wisdom comes from your children. Yes. Which one specifically? River. Miss River. She is the wise one in the family. She is. She drops little nuggets all the time. I'm like, man, girl, you're going to, I got to watch out. Just dropping little pearls of wisdom. Pearls of wisdom as she goes. And Ramsey yeah. just throws shoes. Like, not that shoe, not that shoe. Well, now that could be a wisdom in and of itself right there. <laughs> I will say, the names you have chosen for your daughters fit their personalities perfectly. Um, did you happen to get any inspiration from John Benet Ramsey? <laughs> no, but I am very fascinated with that case, and I'm so glad you brought it up. Yes. Who do you... Okay, I would... I'm... We're kind of going off on a tangent here, but I love it. Please tell me. I want to, I would love to know what your theory. I've got my own theories on what happened to little JonBenet Ramsey, but I would love to hear yours. I do believe it was a creepy neighbor. Um, I believe, and I, uh, had I better prepared, I'm so obsessed with this case that Justin and I were 
after dating, we actually went to the home that had happened in, in Colorado. <gasps> we did. We did. We went to the Aurora Theater. We went to Jean Benet Ramsey's house. We went to Columbine. And then we saw the killers in concert. <laughs> what? Oh, okay. Now that's just a little too on the nose there, Laura. <laughs> Yes. After we decided to live in Marietta, we uh, we then learned that Jean Benet is actually buried down the street from us. That is nuts. Yes. And Ramsey was really named after um, some of my best friends were going to Egypt. And I've always been obsessed with Egyptian history. Her name was more influenced by Egyptian history than Jean Benet Ramsey. But as obsessed as we are with the case, I'm sure that didn't spurt in the decision-making process. Anyway, to finally answer your question, I believe it was the neighbor, the pedophile neighbor down the street who did it. And I know who you're going to say you think did it. Please tell me. I know you know. And I know you're not going to be happy because you don't think a family member had anything to do with it. However, I really feel like Burke had something to do with it and the Ramseys covered up some of it. I do not. And as a parent, I really, as much as I want to protect them from the world, if one of my children killed the other, I would not hesitate to let them be prosecuted for that crime. You'd sing like a canary. Yep, I would. I would. Um, And I would protect them as much through that process. But oh my gosh, if you covered up a murder in your own home, then that child becomes a danger to yourself as well. Here's another thing that breaks my heart about this case is as a journalist, you rely on police to give you facts and you report the facts. That's just how the checks and balance system works. And that police department was so small, had never handled a homicide, handled it incorrectly from the beginning. And they were they were leaking false information. And that's infuriating. And Burke's life is ruined. His life was ruined anyway. His, his sister was murdered brutally in his home, which is life altering. He's never going to be the same again. Plus the whole of a lot of the world is convinced that he did it with what information with the with stuff that the police leaked inaccurately to journalists i don't know i just don't see it and regardless of if he did it or not he he has been tried by his peers in public opinion and his life is ruined i mean i guess there's a reason he hasn't done many interviews or any kind of public appearances throughout his life and the interviews he's done, of course he's awkward. He's like never had a normal life, the poor kid. Yeah. Also, uh, John Ramsey always seemed sort of, I want to say withholding. And I'm sure that did not create a very good home life for anybody in that family. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's the saddest case in the world. And I wish there was a magic ball where we could figure out exactly what happened and then put it to rest. But there is that list. I don't know. I've watched a ton of documentaries on it and seeing that that window could be broken and a full grown male has jumped through it and all of that evidence seeing that. Also, I have um, glass breaking detectors and alarms in my basement just in case. It's Fort Knox here. Very good. And cameras? Cameras everywhere and alarms. All I need are electric fences, a moat, whatever. You're not getting my children. But that's just a peek into what's going on behind this this veil. Anyway, yeah, it's just really scary and I wish we knew what happened and it's sad that we still don't. Do you think that we ever will find out the truth? 
I hope so. I think there's so much interest in the case and uh, there's a couple of podcasts going right now about it and I'm just, I'm glued to them. Oh, well, let's just do a little podcast shout out. What are some, some good uh, Jean Benet focused podcasts? Um, well, not necessarily Jean Benet, but I love true crime. So I love Crime Junkie. Um, small Town Dicks is a really good one. Uh, they actually talk to these small town detectives who are working these murder cases and the detectives tell you like everything that's going on in this case. So that's been a, a really fascinating one I've just binged lately. Nice. Um, do you listen to Southern Fried True Crime? I have not, but I've heard of it. Is it good? She's really good. I like the Vanished podcast. That one will make you up your security in your home. Because oh, <laughs> <laughs> only people have disappeared. I like a uh, red collar crime, the red collar crime podcast that's out right now. There's so many like I'm and I'm down for suggestions. What are your favorites? Well, Laura, I am so glad you asked. Um, I really like my favorite murder, but like basic, everyone likes that. Uh, I also like Crime Junkie. Um, ooh, I listened to this great one the other day called Conviction about the satanic panic. Ooh, so interesting. So good. What else? Oh, I love last podcast on the left but that's more things that go bump in the night and not so much true crime anatomy of murder that's a good one too clicking my pen to write it down (laughs) i love podcasts so much and i mean i know that's kind of an obvious thing to say because i am someone that is creating a podcast but i really do i love them and i mean i'm kind of late to the game on getting into them because they've been around for a while and we are in a global pandemic, so everyone has one. But yeah, they're just a great source of entertainment, especially if you are trying to get into true crime. I feel like Wondery does a very good job with true crime. There is like when they talk about a new podcast, I usually my ears perk up, mm-hmm. especially when it's related to true crime. And I love NPR. This American Life, I was listening to that way before podcasts were happening all the time. I just love NPR. So I listen to NPR. <sighs> daily or the daily they listen to that one i love npr as well i know it's kind of like nerd alert but it is good stuff and i and um along with you i love uplifting things in the middle of it so i love listening to you and then um the upside with callie and jeff that's a really good one too yeah this podcast is uh, a good antithesis to sort of the heavier uh, subject matter that might be out there. We're, we're a little lighter here, a little something gay. Not murder, unless it's Chaminet. Just a palate cleanser. Exactly, exactly. Yes, we are very into cleansing palates here. So this point is not on the outline, but it has just come to me, so uh, we're just going to go with it. Uh, if there was a movie about your life, what celebrity would play you? Oh, uh, Reese Witherspoon is popping in my head. Okay, I could see that. Not because we look that much alike, besides being basic white female with blonde hair. But yeah, I think our personalities are similar. Yeah, I could also see Elizabeth Olsen for you. Okay, yes. I see that. Hillary Duff. Oh, yes. Very Hillary Duff. Yes, that's the most... Hilary Duff, I like we even have some like creepy similar mannerisms. So when she was like Disney famous back in the day, people would be like, oh my gosh. Okay, wait, but level with me here. You're actually Hilary Duff, aren't you? I mean, no one has ever seen the two of you in the same room at the same time. 
It's true. It's true. I can't confirm or deny. Spoken like a true journalist. <laughs> That's funny. Who would play you? Oh my God, who would play me? I, I mean, I'm one of a kind. I'm I'm very unique. <laughs> but uh, back when I was waiting tables in college, uh, I would get Ben Stiller a lot. People would tell me I look like Ben Stiller. I can see that. You can really? I I could never see it, but I mean, hey, I'll take it. He's handsome, so why not? I mean, yeah, he ain't too bad looking. <laughs> There's definitely worse people that I could be mistaken for. Mm-hmm. So, Laura, we are coming to the end of our time together. I know it's very sad. Please try to compose yourself. Oh. I know. Hold it together, girl. Hold it together. This is not goodbye. It's just au revoir. But while I have you, uh, is there anything that you are working on right now that you would like to promote for the listeners? I mean, I'm always on the gram. I tagged you a bit ago. You know, I saw it. I'm about to go reshare it. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm wine at bedtime. Wine like the drink, not as in like throwing a tantrum. I mean both because it's motherhood. But um, it's so funny. I was talking to my friend Lisa, who lives in Tulsa. And I was like trying to figure out what my blog name would be and if I should go with my name and if it should be my maiden name or my married name, blah, blah, blah. And then. I was like, you know, I just want to talk about like surviving motherhood and drinking wine at bedtime. And she was like, wine at bedtime. I was like, oh my gosh, you're brilliant. And now I sent her 10%. Just kidding. But, <laughs> um, and that's what I do. <laughs> just wine while you drink wine before bedtime. Now, Laura, before we say goodbye, I'd like to ask my guests, is there a queer person in your life that has influenced you? in any sort of way. It can be maybe the first gay person you ever met or someone that just has impacted your life in a significant way. Is there someone in your life, Laura, that you can think of that you would like to give a shout out to? Oh my gosh. There's so many wonderful gay people in my life. And it's everyone's so open and lets me make mistakes and say things incorrectly and lovingly redirects me. And so I appreciate that. And all facets of things that I'm not in the middle of and don't completely understand. But I will say um, my orientation into gay friendships in elementary school and middle school, I had a good friend named Sean and he, we grew up in Dallas, Texas area. Anyway, he came out to me in I think sixth grade and it's just been, I just thought that that's, that everyone came out when they were young because I didn't know. And it was, he was just such a light and a wonderful influence through a lot of my life. We don't talk as much anymore, so I'll have to reach out to him and let him know I name dropped him. <laughs> um, he was a great friend. He was always a great friend, and it was a great, I, I think that was a beautiful way to grow up, too, to um, experience at a, at a young age. And he didn't tell me as fast as he told other friends because my family and I, as well, are Christian and religious, and so he didn't think I'd be as accepting, and that kind of hurt my heart. And I think that's been a mission for me. Um, I love Jesus, but I love gays too. That's lovely. Thank you. So he's been wonderful. And I've just had so many wonderful Preston, of course. Who? Preston, to be husband. Oh, right. Him. Yes. Okay. And the stereotypes, like growing up with Will and Grace and um, the token gay friend 
whatever, and you've talked about it before that not every day is great at makeup or hair or design or clothes. And um, because my first gay, like my first murder, my first gay was great at makeup and he ended up being like a GM with Mac Cosmetics. It was just shocking to me like, oh, you can't help me go through my closet. <laughs> so it, it, it is true. It's important to know that. Right, to see that those those stereotypes aren't always the case. What is your friend doing these days? I think he still works for Mac. We've lost touch um, lately, so not on purpose, just lives continue and go in different directions. I think it was in New Orleans last time I saw. Anyway, he was always somebody that could be like, what is, what is a bear? What is this? What is that? <laughs> like, <laughs> All of these words you'd hear, I'm like, and it is, is it okay for me to say bear? Is that like what, because I, am I insulting someone if I say this? Yeah. Yeah. But that's great. I think that is very smart that you realize that it is okay to say things, but it is just fine to preface this with, with, is it okay for me to use this? Or even if you just say, is this the proper term? You know, I think more people should be a little more open to just saying, hey, what is okay for me to say? Or if they do say something that is incorrect, to humble themselves and have the humility to just say, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that was offensive and now I know. And right now, as queer people, it is sort of our obligation to help educate other people that may or may not understand terminology and things like that. I love when you... You had two of your friends on at the same time. I can't remember which episode, but um, the girl was asking, like, what is the correct response to someone coming out to you? Mm-hmm. It was so educational for you that that was, the, and I was like, ah, that's that should be the answer to any big news that anybody gives you. So it made it made sense. You know, it is difficult to put yourself in those positions, and I've spoken about this on another episode we were specifically talking about race and having vulnerable uncomfortable kind of conversations however ultimately i think we all just need to get over ourselves do it have the conversation just be gracious be humble be be a human even if you say something wrong just know that it's okay and realize that you have to take it upon yourself to say the right thing and continue to uplift and uphold the correct and accurate things to say and uh, support for other people. And that kind of circles back to motherhood. Like you're, you're adapting, you're changing, you're teaching your children how to ask kind and respectful questions. So you want them to see you doing the same thing. So you're laying a roadmap. Children learn how to love by seeing you love. So it's just their little eyes. River always, um, she'll point her finger to her eye and then to me. She's like, I'm always watching you, mommy. Like, oh, I know. (laughs) She is. She's watching me. She wants to be like me. And how I handle things are going to be, how I handle stress, how I handle hard conversations that she witnesses. Uh, That's how, how, how she's learning to handle things. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Laura. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. I've loved this and I love chatting with you and I'm so grateful. Preston brought you into my life and me into yours. Exactly. Yes. The feeling is definitely mutual. You'll have to come back and visit us again here at A Little Something Gay. We'd love to hear more from you.
<laughs> Any excuse to talk to you, Michael. I'll do it three, four, five, twenty times. Fantastic. Same time next week. Sure. See you here. <laughs> yes. See you back in the closet. <laughs> Are there any last words you would like to leave the listeners with? May your only pain be champagne. Ooh, yes. I love that. I'm going to go have some right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's chat again. Let's do this again. We should have done this with wine to begin with. Ah, what were we thinking? <laughs> we weren't, clearly. Well, then we'll just have to have some next time, then. Done. I'm in. <laughs> it's a date. Go forth and be gay, everyone. Bye.